Warning, the following episode will contain orgasms, crime, pseudonyms, sexually explicit cum talk, sex police, bad parents, mental health issues, crazy fucking hentai cum ghosts, strong language, nudity, Doctor-patient confidentiality, suicidal notions, and the following episode will contain relationship drama. Welcome to the Band Library Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. My name is S.T. Harker, librarian, writer, and time sex librarian. You can follow me on Twitter, at BandWriter. Honestly, forgot I'd written that. You can follow the library, at BandLibrary, on Twitter, also Instagram, Facebook, and the sex librarian chat room. Be quiet or behave. But I don't pay attention to most of those, mostly just Twitter, so if you're on there, let me know. I've seen a couple of you actually starting to like the podcast. I appreciate that. If you'd like to help support the Band Library, go over on our Patreon over at patreon.com slash bandlibrary. There's a link on the post and on the website. For a dollar a month, just about $12 a year, you can become a member of the Friends of the Band Library and get access to damn near everything we have ever posted going back about 306.7 years. We just did a Family Guy episode, Partial Terms of Endearment, And I completely hated it. So if you want me to talk shit on your favorite show, Family Guy, join the patreon.com slash band library. We'd also like to welcome our newest friend of the band library, Carrie. Thank you very much for subscribing. We appreciate you being here. Now, what are we talking about today? Well, when two people can stop time after having orgasms, meet up and have a relationship, things get complicated because, of course, they start robbing banks to... Save a library. You can definitely tell while this is near and dear to my heart. And spoiler alert, I love this. Uh, Matt Fraction, excellent writer. We'll get into him a little bit later. His run on Hawkeye was amazing. But this is honestly one of the most unique. I had a... uh, There's Jojo Rabbit was a movie came out about two years ago. If you haven't seen it, see it. It's definitely different. It's right up the alley if you're into the weird shit like the stuff we talk about on this podcast sometimes. Uh, Taika Watiti, Watiti, I know. Taika Watiti, I believe is how you say his name. If not, I apologize. Um, see, Robert Cargill is a writer, and he had the best take on Jojo Rabbit, and I have the same take on this, that I love it so much, because as someone who does make, you know, I write things, I create things, I have absolutely no idea where this idea comes from. This is just one of those unique, just like Jojo Rabbit, where how do you come up with that? How do you come up with the idea that, well, yeah, of course, when you have an orgasm, you stop time. And of course, what if you met another person that 
you know, could stop time with orgasms, then you, you'd have a partner. And what if you just robbed banks? It's just, and then it goes on from there. We'll get into it. But Jesus Christ, I love this book so much. Uh, let's get into the author. Matt Fraction is the first person we'll talk about. If I can get my computer to work. He was born Matt Friction, I believe is how you say his name, in 1975, Chicago Heights, Illinois. Grew up reading, writing his own stories. Uh, late 90s, he was employed in Charlotte, North Carolina, retailer Heroes Are Hard to Find, where he made a bunch of industry connections in like comics and stuff. He worked for a bunch of small publishers, including Alt Planet, IDW. His pseudonym comes from uh, late 90s again. He would post on a web forum for Warren Ellis, his, the comic book writer. Uh, he continued using this name as he published comic books and other things. He's worked on multiple independent and Marvel Comics properties, one of the famous being his pizza dog run on Hawkeye, like I said. He was an advisor for Iron Man 2. Basically, name a Marvel superhero, and he's probably written them at some point or another. To list them all here would be crazy. Uh, 2013, he published Sex Criminals with Chip Zdarsky, who we'll talk about in a second. He's married to Kelly Sue DeConnick, and they have two kids, and she's also an excellent writer and producer of all kind of content. I hope some of her shit gets banned so we can talk about it here. Or maybe just do some of hers on Patreon at some point. She's really good. Now, the artist is Chip Zdarsky. He is another pseudonym. Two guys just making shit up as they go along. He was born Stephen Murray, 1975, in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. He drew a lot as a young kid, like most artists do. He went on to do illustrations for newspapers and magazines under his original name including The Globe, New York Magazine, the uh, Canadian broadcast company, CBC. In 2000, he created this alternate persona of Chip Zdarsky to publish a comics because he didn't know if he wanted to do this full-time or if it was going to work. He basically said he wanted this to be like this loner, sad sack, misunderstood artist type that he was just going to put this persona out there. It was supposed to be separate from his real life, but eventually he just embraced it because it was... Probably more fun, probably more entertaining. I don't know what ultimate leads to that. Maybe just, you know, made more money. Who knows? He created an illustrated comic for the National Post called Extremely Bad Advice. That got him pretty popular. In 2010, my favorite thing of his, he set out a mock campaign to become the mayor of Toronto. But he was never registered as a candidate and never had any, thing, uh, you know, whatever. And he's done a bunch of different comics. I didn't have a list here for some reason. I don't know why I didn't look that up. I apologize to Chip Zdarsky, but definitely get sex criminals and anything else he's done. His art is kind of amazing. Now, why are we talking about sex criminals outside of the fact that it's sex criminals? Well, the um, large composite, whatever, collection, big hard sex criminals is technically what we're talking about today. It has been banned several times. It's number six on the Top 10 2016 ALA list, if you know how I feel about that. There it is, but not a fan. But mostly because of this, uh, the location from where it was banned has never been disclosed. It was sexually explicit is why it was challenged. But apparently uh, the librarians there didn't feel like, they felt it would reflect badly on them if that uh, information was released as to where it was challenged or banned. Which, god damn it, we kind of need to know where people are targeting this shit so we can, you know, put a 
spotlight on it. Not just that it is being banned or removed from schools and libraries, reading lists, whatever. But where? When is this happening? Not just 2016 or 15. It is acclaimed for its dissection of sexual taboo and pretty frank and comedic uh, examination of sexuality. It's, yeah, it's got a run, bunch of issues. Uh, also, 2013, the second issue was banned from the Comixology iOS app because Apple's content policies say you can't have sex stuff in there. But it's a book, but it has sex stuff in it. So it's one of those things. I think it was brought back. Interview with the uh, comic book legal defense fund. Fraction said Apple can determine what to sell and what not to sell. They are a private company. But other more sexually explicit material was also sold on the app. So it's kind of a, it's a bullshit. It got popular and it's really good. So people read it and it got a flag. It, and that's horseshit. It's bullshit. Uh, Zadarsky, he pointed out that the app ban was their issue. It, it would affect creators. Uh, quote, some consciously, but most subconsciously. Art will be self-centered. Scenes will be rewritten. How could they not? Creators naturally want their product to reach as many people as possible. Unquote. And that's a very good point. If companies straight up say we won't publish this kind of thing, it's just like how the MPAA gives R ratings, not NC-17 ratings. Because the second you get an NC-17 rating, none of the fucking uh, movie theaters will carry your movie. Because they're family friendly. That's why we don't get actual adult content. And I'm not talking pornography. I'm not talking like just stuff to sexually explicit. I'm talking just straight up nudity or something that an adult should be able to handle as an adult. Near being the artists themselves are self-censoring or being told by the MPA to, you know, cut down this scene by 13 frames so you can't see the top of his genitalia. You know, we can see a little bit of pubic hair. If you cut that down, we can get you an R rating, no problem. And it's bullshit. And if you see, there's a really good documentary, I can't remember the name of it right now, that uh, goes into the MPAA, but that factors into this. Like if you have an app like a bookstore that won't sell your product, then you're automatically going to start writing to be able to sell that product, which is, I mean, everybody does it, but it's still, I don't know. It's wrong. It really is. You'll, you'll constantly be second guessing like, Oh, will the moral guardians have a problem with this? And have to rewrite it. Maybe that'll get creative. Maybe you'll be the new ex, uh, Oscar Wilde or story. Uh, what's his name? Story of O. Um, yeah, that guy who went to jail, who anybody else went to jail for publishing stuff that was explicit. They got super creative with how explicit they could be. But yeah, it's, it's like fraction said, fraction went on to say to the, um, comic book legal defense fund suppression always quote suppression always aims to inspire and uh, inspire fear and intimidation i hope no one changes a word or a single pixel because of this it's the only way to fight back don't change a thing unquote so yeah if you're finding yourself being censored tell the censors to go fuck themselves go to another market direct i mean we are in a capitalist environment right now if people are only buying things on apple then Apple's going to rule the world or Amazon or there's a whole thing right now with Amazon not selling books to libraries. That's a censorship issue because they should 
sell books to anybody who wants to buy the goddamn book, no matter what that person's going to do with it or institution or whatever. I don't know. It just feels, it feels horseshit. Anyway, so that's, that's the whole issue with sex criminals being on the Apple store and in undisclosed locations being pushed off, which is another reason I don't like the undisclosed location thing. God damn it. Tell us where. Tell us who is doing it so we don't do business with them so we can point at those people and say they're censoring. They're not letting adults read what they want to read. That's horseshit. Even if it isn't like a kid's section, that's up to the parents to decide, not the institution. And if somebody asks for the goddamn book, they should be able to get it. Not just in their library alone. So, there's my shoebox or whatever the fucking thing is my apple crate you know rant for the day i guess let's get into the actual plot because again i really enjoyed this if you haven't read sex criminals turn this off delete the download read sex criminals come back and we'll talk about it you re-download it you know give me another download let's have that fun. let me push that weird shit for one second but yeah uh I highly recommend before we get into what this book is about and how it goes on, read this fucking book. It's so much fun. I understand that it's explicit. I, there's some weird shit in this. It's so much fun and it deserves to be out there. It deserves to have more on, more of an audience. I love this book so much. It's graphic and it's weird and sometimes gross. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got their limits, even me, but it's just really fun. And it, I shouldn't feel ashamed to push this on people. Or at least say, hey, you like weird shit? <laughs> Read this weird shit. But anyway, uh, every issue, starting with the first page or so, they have a funny dedication page. Fraction and Zadarsky are like tongue-in-cheek all the way with this book. The first one, I'll invite those to read to yourself, but the first one is Fraction de- dedicating the book to all those who, quote, rub one out. And quote, and Chip uh, dedicates it to Jessica, who he did not know was right behind him. Oh my God. It's just, they're just silly. It sets the tone really well that, oh, this book's not going to make, like, it's not going to take itself seriously at all. Yet at the same time, there's some really deep, like, character shit going on in a lot of this. And it's a really heartfelt love story. If I haven't mentioned that yet, I kind of really love these two broken fucking people meeting each other and kind of working it out. It's just great. It This reminds me a lot, not to the extent of how bad of people they are. Uh, if you've ever seen You Are the Worst, it's an FX series that was on for a while. I love that series. I've, I've only gotten a couple of seasons in, but it's just two people that for some reason they just fit together. They just work. It's like the puzzle completes itself when they're near. Even if they hurt each other, even if they're not great to anyone else around them, they're great for each other kind of thing. You know, they just sort of, everything sort of works. That's kind of nice. It's, it's almost a fable in itself, that relationship issue that, you know, you think you'll find the, the one, quote unquote, whatever that is. But sometimes it's just finding someone that doesn't hurt you. If that makes any sense. I don't know. So yeah, we're going to go in issue order, but that's, I'm, I'm not going to call out the issues as I go. 
Um, and also I couldn't find the actual big hard sex criminals compendium, whatever you want to call it, you know, the gathering of all the issues. I think it was supposed to be the first like 16 or so issues, 15, maybe. Uh, what I did was just get the first three collected trades that I found and we'll just be going through those. So if you have big hard sex criminals and you read that, I maybe go a little beyond it. I'm pretty sure I will, but you should do <laughs> definitely read it all and then come back and we'll have fun. And definitely talk to me on Twitter about this because it's just so fun. I want to know who's read this. I feel like I'm the only one that has because it's like, oh, that, that book? I'm like, yes, fucking read this book. It's so good. So yeah, the story's told a bit out of time at first. Like it's not linear. It's it, it has them breaking into a bank first. And then, so I may talk about things before they happen in the comics. And on top of that, yeah, like I said, it, yeah, I didn't read. I just, so you've been warned that I'm going to talk about things a little out of order uh, as the way they happen, because talking about them in order would be like, so they're robbing a bank and then they met, you know, that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to just sort of break it down. Uh, so our story is Susie and John, Susanna and Jonathan. I think they're, you know, they have real name. They're having sex in the bathroom and they're about to rob a bank. We don't know this, but it goes on. This is like the first three issues. You just get little, it goes concurrent with the next few issues. It doesn't go well. The sex police, three people show up. One's kegel face. One's kind of a fat guy. And one's a really skinny dude in a mask. They catch them, but Johnny and Susie escape. So they know suddenly other people have powers like us. Oh my God. And we learn most of this from Susie talking to us directly. And it's really cute. She's often in an outfit, outfit mashing the scene. So if like she's telling her life story. So when she's at the doctor's, when she's young, like trying to figure out what the hell is all this sex orgasm, stopping time powers. Does this happen to everybody kind of thing? Cause nobody's talking about it, which I kind of like that metaphor too. That nobody's talking about the sex that, that nobody talks about sex enough. You know, you'll, you'll know when you're older, but she has this thing happening to her where when she orgasms, it stops time. So she really wants to talk about sex. It's great. It's, and we're learning all this from older Susie talking about her life. She tells us how her dad died. And like I said, she's in like fun. She's in like a nurse's outfit, a sexy nurse's outfit. When she's talking about how young her went to the doctor, it's kind of fun. She tell us, tells us how her dad died on the first Halloween after her mom is just, she's broken by it, is not doing well, drinking a lot. First Halloween after her dad died, she masturbated for the first time in the tub. That's when Tom stop, uh, time stops. She walks down and finds her mom drinking and her mom's, I wouldn't say like actively abusive, but yeah, but neglectfully abusive is the best way to say it. Although there are, yeah, she's abusive. Let's just say that. Let's not codify what type of abusive she is. She's just abusive. She's just a broken person. Later, she goes to ask the dirty girls in school about sex. You know, the girls that hang out in the bathroom, smoke cigarettes, and do all kind of stuff. Rachel, one of the girls, gives her sex advice. Uh, starts drawing on the walls of the toilet all these different sex positions and stuff. And most of them are ludicrous, you know. Those weird, like, dirty Sanchez or something like that. I'm like, this is when he sticks it here and upside down and to the right. It's just, it's kind of funny. 
And this girl later, we find out, becomes her best friend and her roommate and lives with her as her roommate, like I just said. <laughs> Sorry. Her first exp- sexual experience happens at a party. Um, dude, she just kind of like grabs this dude and they go in the room and he's on top of her pumping away and she has an orgasm. And all of a sudden he's just sort of in a push-up position and she's, everything else is frozen and she kind of gets out. It's this really kind of sad image where you would think a book about orgasms that stop time would be a very silly thing, but it also shows how isolated she is. You know, imagine having sex. She's at a party you know, teenagers, you know, whatever your teenage sex experience was, but then being completely alone. That's gotta be like, it's kind of heartbreaking because it shows her wrapped up in a blanket. She grabs, she grabs the sheet off the bed and she walks out and she's looking out at all the people just frozen. And like I said, the dude's frozen in the bed behind her in a push-up position. And she's just standing there by herself. And it's just kind of, it's kind of, it's just really sad, especially since she can't talk to people about it. She tries to talk to people about it. She goes to a doctor who basically tells her to wait for her husband, you know, oh, you, you'll, you'll know all about it when your husband comes along. She tries to talk to her mom who says, oh, great, I'm raising a whore. It's just kind of, it's fucked up. They're just not helpful at all. And like I said, borderline abusive, either through the system itself being abusive or her mom just being an asshat. She does what any smart person does and she starts keeping a journal. She's tracking her own orgasm time powers. She goes to the library and she's like, she can't talk exactly about it because she learned if she talks about sex, people, adults turn her away. So she says, Hey, um, I've got a bunch of data, a bunch of information because she, she's been just like jerking off and figuring out like, how long it lasts, how long the, how long does time stop? And she kind of, she names it the other, David, I remember what John calls it, but I can't remember what she calls it. It's like the other place, the quiet place. That's what she calls it because everything goes quiet. So she has all this data that she's collected on her own. She goes to the library and the librarian, and she's like, I have all this data and I don't really know how to, you know, figure it out. And the librarian's like, Oh, you mean taxonomy? you mean this? And like, is one of the first adults to actually help her. And so she latches onto the library and becomes a librarian, which in apparently, you know, I'm American based public library system. Apparently it's a little bit different in Canada where I assume this is set in like Toronto area, Canada. I'm not really sure how libraries are set there. If they're like a public private slash institution, but at some point she becomes a librarian and her library is being foreclosed on by a bank. And that's the central issue with her trying to figure out, you know, how she's doing it. She's saving the library a little at a time. She's basically bringing wheelbarrows of books back to her home where her and Rachel live. And there's just all these books all over. And she decides one day to throw a fundraiser at her and Rachel's apartment. And this guy comes in and she's talking to some guy about Lolita. And he just starts quoting Lolita. And they connect. They have a conversation about books and time. And there's just really good illustrations. Like Zadarcy's awesome at like the two of them just sort of flowing through the party while they're talking and everybody else, it because of the comic page, looks like they're standing still while John and Susie are walking through it. It's a very good metaphor about the fact that 
they're about to have sex and have time powers, and that's literally how they can live their life. They connect, they have sex, and then they, they have sex, and they both orgasm at the same time. And she thinks, oh, well, I'm in the quiet place now. And you don't know it yet, but he thinks the same thing. He calls it cum world. I won't say it too much, but that's what he calls it. And all of a sudden, they're both freaked out because nobody else has ever been in the quiet place before. Nobody else has been where they've stopped time before. And so we get his view. He tells her about his first trip to the place he calls Cumworld. It was the same Halloween night. We actually see that they cross paths at one point, which I haven't read far enough in the comic to know if this is a thing, but it seems like this should be a thing, that something happened this Halloween night. Him and his friends were out trick-or-treating. They're in kiss makeup. They get beaten up by some older kids. He found some porn in the woods while they're getting beat up, and he goes home, and he you know, whacks off to it, finds he can freeze time, and then he goes to this porn store called Cumworld, and he goes across the street to the bank, jacks off, comes, starts stealing a bunch of shit from the uh, from the porn store, just raiding it. And, like, to the point where they go to the store later and, like, the guy knows his name. Like, he's been there a lot. From when he stole shit as a kid to all the way to present day. We find out that he actually has, because of the way, uh, I guess, the male penis works. I'm not 100%. Well, yeah, I mean, if there's a visual reminder that his penis actually glows when he's in time stop power. I guess because hers is internal, you don't see as much. Yeah, I think it would be kind of interesting if she had a little nightlight down there. Anyway, we find out that the amount of time that it stops is until they want to have sex again, if that makes sense. And it's independent for both of them. It's not like once they both enter the freeze, the quiet place, let's just call it that, once they both enter the quiet place where time has stopped, it's not like if one of them wants to have sex, they instantly like freeze. Whereas if the other one doesn't, like they're both independent. It's, it's, it's kind of fascinating. That's a really good, like the refractory period between, you know, having an orgasm and wanting to have sex again. That's the time period where they can live in the quiet place and run around, do whatever they want. Susie? Apparently also looks a whole lot like the fantasy girl that he found in the porn in the woods, who will come back later. So they go to a bar, and that's where they're hanging out, you know, and he, she starts singing Fat Bottom Girls by Queen. And there's a full discussion between the writer Matt and Zadarsky about, you know, whether they can actually publish the lyrics to this song, if it's a rights issue, with like post-it notes over the speech bubbles while she's singing. And it's this wonderful thing where you see John just watching her dance around and sing. It's just like this scene at the party. Everything else is sort of frozen while the two of them interact. It's a very good visual metaphor about their relationship that when they're together, they're together some way they fit. It's a really good idea. And this is where John falls in love with her, watching her dance around and just be goofy to fat bottom girls. And that's also when he decides to rob a bank with her. And he talks her into it and is like, hey, your library needs money. We can stop time. Let's rob banks. And we find out this is not the first time Susie's ever done something untoward while in the quiet place. Apparently, and this is where it does get dark a bunch. A guy raped Rachel. 
and he, Susie made him pay. She punished him. I didn't write down exactly how, because I don't want to get too dark and into that. But we find out that Susie is okay with doing things as far as she, as long as she thinks there's justice involved. And there is. Rachel listens in on them planning and meeting with all their bank hijinks. Because basically, like I said in the beginning, they go into the bathroom of the bank, they have sex, they rob the place and they leave. But they sort of have to scout it out first, know where the bathroom is, know where everybody is so they can like get in and out. If the vault's open or not, that makes a big difference. So yeah, they're doing big planning and Rachel hears about this and she calls the cops on them. Because that's how the sex police find them. Because one of the one of them, Kegel face is what they call her, because she can just like she grunts her face up and basically is doing kegels and causes an orgasm and freezes time around her. She works as a dispatcher, and that's how she's finding out where these robberies are taking place, and they don't think that's good. And then we learn about John's mental issues. Apparently he's on he's been on mental uh, medication. Uh, seems like he's depressive, maybe manic-depressive. He's been off of it. After the sex police almost catch him, he gets really paranoid, starts freaking out. Uh, starts getting shingles to the point where he's freaking out so bad, like the stress of it. We learn one of the sex police is super rich with the guy with the mask and can track them somehow. Uh, they call him a sex Batman. He's got like, They've got different devices and stuff that can tell when like the orgasm powers have gone off. So because of Rachel freaking out about, you know, them making weird bank robbery plans, and basically she thinks that John's getting Susie into some weird shit, which he sort of is, but, you know, whatever. Susie comes clean to Rachel about the sex powers. She's like, you know, how can I convince, I, when I have an orgasm, time stops. And Rachel's like, whatever. Like, no, seriously. She goes, okay. Well then, you know, go have an orgasm and draw dicks all over my face. So Susie kind of goes away. And then all of a sudden, the next panel, Rachel's got dicks all over her face. And Susie comes out with a towel coming out of the bathroom. It's like, ha, 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 ha. And Susie's like, oh, my God, that's real. Meanwhile, John breaks into Kegelface's house because he finds out where she lives somehow. I forget exactly. They find out her name, her real name is like Myrtle something. And she just she's a suburban mom. But she also has like time sex powers. Because apparently just normal people have these. And the other guy, the bigger guy, he's a bus driver and he pops in because he thinks Kegelface has some things there. And he knocks him out. Uh, John knocks out the bus driver guy and steals a bunch of shit. Meanwhile, this is sort of skipping all over the place, but Susie goes to her OBGYN and meets Robert Rainbow who's not the normal OBGYN. He's like subbing in because her doctor's out. We find out he's also John's old friend. When we find out that is because John and Susie are on a little bit of a break. You know, they've been having issues because he broke in and stole a bunch of shit, and that's not cool. But we also learn that Robert Rainbow is his old friend when they run into each other because Susie asks Robert Rainbow out on a date. Find out John's old friend, Robert Rainbow, it's hard not to say that name altogether. It's great. Apparently, he was supposed to go with them on the night that they all got beaten up, dressed as Kiss, but he didn't. Which one has to wonder if he would have sex powers if he did go, and if anybody else in that group has sex powers now. But anyway, he's not a regular doctor, like I said. He agrees to go out with her because they have a good rapport. 
and because she's on a break with John because he's paranoid and stealing shit. But then they run into John, who's exercising, because he's met a new doctor that doesn't work. Apparently, he was going to just some guy in a strip mall. But then he meets this other doctor who tells him to exercise. So he meets, he's exercising to help with his mental health issues. And the three of them, you know, start talking. They're having a good time. Susie's supposed to be on the date with Robert, but whatever. And then Rachel comes up and is like, hey, who's this guy? And he's like, this is Robert Rainbow. So they sort of get met. And then they look over and the library is being knocked the fuck down. Apparently the rich guy and the rest of the sex police have found out where she lives, found out they stole stuff from Kegelface, do not like that. So the rich guy bought it all, cut out the loan, and knocked the whole fucker down. And this is also, like I said, where Robert Rainbow meets Rachel, and they sort of start a relationship. Susie and John, they fight, but they decide to go after the sex police because fuck them, they knocked down the library. Do not knock down a library, goddammit. We then get the life story of Rayanne, a.k.a. a bunch of different names. I'm going to call her Kincaid, but she's also the porn star that John found a picture of in the woods. There's a lot of things that tie together in this that I haven't finished it, so I don't know how it works. She studies time while being a professor at a university, so they go try to find her because she's, you know, knowledgeable about time. They don't know, but John Instant is like, holy crap, you're the porn star. We get her entire story about how, you know, she was a poor young girl who wanted to have sex and she got on stage and then she went and did some movies and then she did a bunch of movies and then took some pictures and then decided, took all the money that she took from porn to get multiple doctorates or something. Like she's super crazy smart. So she's having a great time. It's awesome. This is about issue 10. Uh, John is kind of struggling to tell Susie that he loves her, which is a sweet, very small problem that's really large in a like a romance sort of comic. I kind of I do love it that it's his primary issue is, oh man, I gotta tell this girl I love her. And it's just it's great because he's beginning to see this new doctor. Uh, he met the guy in a food court. We're gonna talk to him later. I'm just gonna call him the doctor because I didn't really remember his name. But the guy basically tells him what it is and talks to him in the food court for like five minutes and is like, yeah, okay, I'll take... And John's like, I kind of want you to be my doctor. <laughs> he's like, yeah, okay, exercise for a week or like 10 days. And that's why he was exercising earlier. And if you exercise for 10 days, I'll be your doctor, you fucking asshole. You're ruining your shit. So he's, he's, he's getting his shit together. He's getting everything better. He's struggling to tell her he loves her. They've met Kincaid and they're like, hey... You have sex, like we have uh, time sex powers. And she's like, holy shit, get the fuck out. She She's kind of no nonsense. I love her. But she basically also has time sex powers because apparently when she has an orgasm, she can astral project. And this is where we start kind of learning that it's not just orgasm stops time. There are whole X-Men type orgasm powers out there. And it's kind of crazy. That we learn this because uh, because she was in porn and she's a you know and probably got some a bunch of issues. She has problems with you know having sex. It takes a lot to get her off. So they go to a hotel for a non threesome threesome, and she has sex, and that's where we find her ghost popping in. And they use a lot of the information they stole from Kegelface 
because they want to get back at her still, but they wanted to learn more about time and how everything works. And they found Kincaid's name in there because she has sex powers. And so they find somebody else's information, some guy named Doug down in Miami. So they like, Hey, fuck it. Let's go down to Miami. See what he's about. And they go down to his house in Miami, take a nice little trip. You know, this is the part of the soap opera where everybody goes on vacation. Shit. That fell over. Just knocked some shit over in my desk. I was waving my hands around because I was talking. So anyway, well, of course, you know, I was talking. I'm talking to you. So they go to this guy's house, Doug, and he cares for his mother and we get his backstory a little bit. And he's just a really nice guy, like just a very quiet, meek, one of those like, uh, reminded me of Throw Mama from the Train, uh, Danny DeVito's character in that. Just a, just a little meek guy that doesn't quite get everything right off the bat, but he's, he means well. You know, he's nice. He takes care of his mom. And they go into his house. They break into his house, of course. And they find him comatose. Except he's on his knees and he's... And there's a cum ghost is the best I can say it. It's like this anime girl. And he's sort of animating her-ish. Or she's animating himself. I don't know. But they're like... And she's speaking Japanese. And he's. Just, and they're like, hey... And then the ghost starts freaking out and sprouts tentacles out of the ghost vagina and almost kills him, like chases him down in the fucking basement and is just trashing all kind of crazy shit. And it, it's just this crazy fucking issue while they're just fighting off the goddamn ghost, uh, anime ghost porn tentacle thing. It's just fucked up. It's dark. Like that thing can kick fucking ass. It looks a little very, you know, but it's fucking killer. You gotta love it. Meanwhile, Kegelface is trying to learn more about John and has learned that he has a doctor. So they want all his doctor's notes. Though they go to, She basically starts a sort of a, an affair with him because, like I said, she has a family. She has kids and a husband and a completely normal life as a police dispatcher. But she wants to find out more about his sex powers because he's misusing them and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, she starts an affair with the doctor to get in there. And they kind of hit it off. It's really nice because the doctor's a really good dude. And all this issue is going on while Kincaid lectures on sex and the patriarchy and how everything's fucked, basically. And then we get an intro of a new person. And this is probably where I should have stopped reading and just, this is where we're going. But we meet Alex, A-L-I-X, and we hear their life story. Uh, They're asexual. I never got a gender, so I'm going to say they. But their orgasm power is basically triggered when they jump off high places. And I don't know, like it's not an orgasm per se, but I guess orgasm in the, you know, death defying, I guess. And I don't, she went to go kill her, or they went to go to kill themselves and learned of this. Really bad life, didn't get the whole life story because we got a little bit more to go on. So Susie and John, John is helping Kincaid in her office learn more about the sex powers and the sex tentacle monsters and the everybody else. Susie is hanging out at home. They're both texting back and forth and they text about Kincaid. You know, she's kind of frigid, she's kind of mean. And she sees the messages and just kicks his and the fuck out. I'm like, get out. And Matt and Chip, again, have a meta conversation about how the characters would proceed making amends. And I, I just love these. They're not afraid to just like break the fourth wall and just smash the shit out of it and be like, hey, I'm not kind of uncomfortable with them talking about this. And I don't really know a good, you know, a funny way to get out of this really kind of, you know, you shouldn't talk about people behind their back and especially about their 
you know, their sex and stuff and all this. And yeah. And so they're just like, eh, we'll just have them do it off screen. Like, okay. That's how they do it. Meanwhile, Kegelface and the doctor are having sex in his office. And as he goes to walk away, he finds that she's been stealing his files and she feels really bad about it, but still um, has an orgasm, goes into the quiet place and steals all the files again and just leaves. That triggers the doctor to go to John's house and be like, oh, fuck, I'm so sorry. All your files were stolen and this is misconduct because he's a good dude. The doctor's a really good guy. And he's like, man, I am so sorry. This is fucked up. And John goes home, finds Susie and Kincaid, and that's where they've made up. Susie decides she doesn't want to rob banks anymore. That's just not what she does. She's That's not justice to her anymore. And John's okay with it. Rachel and Robert Rainbow are having a little bit of trouble because, and it's sort of an ongoing issue, but she's way more experienced than him because remember, she was one of the dirty girls and he's only had like maybe two, three sexual partners total, which is funny because OBGYN, that's, there's a lot of interplay with that and a lot of little jokes and stuff. And then Alex and Doug show up for a fight during all this drama when everybody sort of dealt with stuff. And that's where we're going to end, because that's as far as I got in the comic. Again, uh, the art's beautiful. The writing is substantive. It's uh, it's just, it's great. Like, I don't know how you write this. It is juvenile. There's some juvenile antics. There's some jokes in there that are like, oh man, in 15 years, maybe this won't age very well. I don't know. But it's an exploration of relationships and mental health. It's only held back by puritanical social structures that we bring to it. I don't know if there there's something, if you can let go of the fact that nobody wants to talk about sex and read this book that mostly talks about sex as, and sex is the text and everything else in the relationship is the subtext. I highly recommend it. Uh, it's funny. It's fun. It's sexy is relationship between two people that, like I said, they fit, they're good. There's an ongoing thing where one of them will do something or say something and they'll like John will look at her and go, this girl, this fucking girl. And if you've ever been in a relationship where you've just been amazed by the other person, it's great. It's and it, it brings back those good feelings or at least reminds you of them or has an example of them to the partner you have now. Like when they just surprise you in little ways, it's really awesome. I highly recommend this. So yeah, uh, are you old enough to find porn in the woods? I am. Were you old enough to leave porn in the woods? Mm, I don't know if I am. Do you have a funny or awkward first sexual encounter? I didn't talk about most of mine because they're not really talk about it. I mean, it's kind of boring. Not crazy anyway. You ever had sex in a car? That's fun. While it's going. On the highway. Over an overpass. And you crashed over a bridge and landed on a boat and had sex on that boat too? I don't know. Yeah, that happened to me. All that happened to me. Send your answer to our Twitter. One of the ways you can contact us, there's a bandlibrary.com has a contact page with all the different ways to contact us. Email address, contact at bandlibrary.com. You can subscribe on the podcast, Google Play, Amazon, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Remember to rate and review us. Follow on Twitter. Tell us uh, all the other social media, whatever bullshit you go to. I'll, if somebody actually starts like participating on one of those, I'll probably join back in. But honestly, I'm more of a literary person. So 
you know, like pictures and stuff don't really do it for me. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash bandlibrary. Thank you again, Carrie. I appreciate you joining us at the Friends of the Library. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Stay in. Read a book. Music, Dances and Dames, by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. If you'd like to help support...